The following sermon is from Christ Church Port Orange. For more information, find us online at joinwithjesus.org. Thanks for listening. All right, if you have your Bibles, you open to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. I'd intended to, be, to start a new sermon series this morning, and I can't wait to start it next week. But part of having an open hand towards God and what he wants to speak to his church is being willing to have God derail your plans entirely. And so um, I feel like God's leading us to Psalm 103 this morning. Psalm 103. Psalm 103. The title of today's sermon is Wake Up a Worshiper. Wake, turn to your neighbor and say, wake up. Wake up. Now look back at your neighbor and be like, I'm not a worshiper. I don't know. I, I can sleep. I, wake up a worshiper. Wake up a worshiper. Psalm 103. Before we read the text, um, I just want to acknowledge the moment we're in. And I keep having this experience as I hear bad news and as things go from uh, bad to unthinkable. And then the response to unthinkable is even further unthinkable. And I'm just struggling. I'm struggling at our world. And it drives me to the Lord, which is a good thing. But for many, it drives them away from him, makes them angry at him, blame him, misunderstand. And so as we kind of collectively gather and we're sitting in this moment, um, we can just have this sense of what is going on? What is going on and what, what, what can we do to fix it? Now, some fixers, some of you are already here and you're fixers. And I say, what can we do to fix it? And you stick up your hand, you're like, ah, I know. Here's these three things. Now, there are some things we can do. The reason we have a booth in the lobby where you can register to vote is because as an American citizen, you have voting power, which makes you a king of the earth, according to Psalm 2. Do you realize that? We live in a country that is organized where citizens have power and that power comes primarily through the vote. And so if you're not registered to vote, get registered to vote. Just do it. Now, if you're here and you're a conscientious objector and you have some conscience thing that keeps you from voting, I'm not gonna push you against your own conscience. But there's 650,000 Christians in the state of Florida who are not registered to vote. And some people will say things like, it's all in God's hands. It is. The Bible also says, you are God's hands. Do you realize that? And so you need to actively engage to do something. And that involves actually finding out who you're voting for, what they voted for, what kind of person they are, what they believe, what their solutions are, not getting a cheat sheet the day before you vote and, and, and Christmas treeing the vote. No, we got to engage. Amen? Amen? So that's one thing you can do. A big thing you can do is your second vote, and that is how you spend your money. We can literally gut everything that's going wrong simply by knowing who is getting, who is profiting by the purchases we are making. Do you realize this? Now, I'm not going to start organizing boycotts on Sunday morning. That's not my job. But understand that you are funding ideology based on where you shop. Do you realize this? This is why every time I order something on Amazon, I go, I just fed the beasts. I need it tomorrow, though. <laughs> just being real with you, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I feel like I helped Bezos get this space. I'm like, I did that. That was for me. And so think about it. Think about where you're spending your money. And then thirdly, I just want to tell you, um, in case you're listening still, um, <laughs> your Facebook rants do zero, by the way. Uh, you are wasting your time reading, sharing, posting, and commenting that forwards the ball zero yards. Online interactions do nothing but polarize and destroy. I'm just going to tell you that. I've never once read an opposing person's political post and thought, you just changed my mind. I just think, now I know you're an idiot. 
That's all that happens. And that is what happens every single time. And so grab a hold of the energy and the thoughtfulness that you put into pushing your opinion and start making a difference in someone's life. You know who has the power to change a mind? A person who is known as a person of love and generosity and care and kindness and nearness and acceptance. Nobody's going to care what you know until they know that you care. And so we can redivert our energy. We can make room in our time by sliding those things out of the way, by making conscious choices and by engaging in the little bit of political process we have. And that's all I'm going to say about that because the biggest and best thing we can do is to position ourselves as a worshiper. But sometimes we got to wake up to it. We got to wake up to it, which brings us to Psalm 103. And let me just ask for the Lord's blessing on his word as we're going to read it. God, I thank you that you are alive and well. God, I thank you that you sit on the throne of heaven presiding over the mayhem that goes on around us. God, you are the author of every good and perfect gift. You are the inspirer of goodness and kindness and love and generosity in the world. Your kingdom is the only lasting kingdom and your word tells us that your delay is only that lost sons and daughters would return home. So God, I pray that we would have hearts to receive, to make room for the seed of your word, that we would have the humility to sit under your word and to hear your voice and to be willing to think different, to act different. And so Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak. We're ready to listen. God, help me to communicate your heart and not my opinion. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. As we ask, where's God in all this? It's comforting to realize that men and women of antiquity have trusted in the creator of the universe for centuries. And many of them, people just like us, put to writing the struggle and provide for us both an example and the substance of reality that we are called to as Christians. The Holy Spirit has breathed out through the authors of scripture what is life to us. And so it's with great joy that I look to Psalm 103 and look at verse one. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Wake up, a worshiper. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Think about this for a second. The psalmist begins by speaking to himself. He wakes up, who knows where his thoughts go, but his action goes to directing his own soul to bless the Lord. Now we're gonna find out from the psalm and from other places that his circumstances were as tumultuous as our own and his move was to speak to his own soul, to talk to himself. I was, I was joking with a friend who's volunteering this morning in one of the kids' classes. We had to sign into the television and I was using the remote control to sign in on the screen. You ever have to do that? And it, you know, it's got the little QWERTY board up there and you're toggling. Your 19 character password. Password is incorrect. Start over again. I was saying it reminded me of when we first started texting and we had the nine, nine texts. You guys remember the nine texts? Like A, B, C, and D, E, F, and and, da, 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 da. and so I had friends in high school that would be like phone, their Nokia phone in their pocket, just shooting off text messages without even looking. You had that friend? You're like, how do you do it? 
I never, I guess I was like on the wrong side of that uh, millennial Gen, Gen X hump where I was going, I can't, I didn't want to text. I thought this is going to pass. This is a fad. <laughs> Who would want to text when you could just call somebody? And now I'm like, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> so I caught up. But you remember how you had to do that? You guys remember when uh, the Bluetooth earpiece first came out and it was like, it looked like a half an earmuff just hanging off one side and hooked over. Everybody's, everybody's ear started doping on one side, just... Now it's masks. Now we've all got protruding ears from the masks after two years of that. I think the government should pay for everyone to have their ears fixed after all this is over. By the way, I don't know if that's going to go to the legislator or not, but I think we all just need our ears tucked back after a long, difficult two years. I needed it beforehand, but anyway. I remember uh, having those weird interactions where you walk into a grocery store in like 2003 and somebody's like, what kind of cereal do you want me to get? And I'm like, I mean, I don't know. I'm, Cheerios are popular. What? What? And then he's like, I'm on the phone. Remember this? You guys remember that? <laughs> I'm like, oh. Remember like walking down the street and somebody's like just is having like a rant. Just, blah, 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 blah. You're like, whoa, that guy is psycho. No, he was on the phone. He was on the phone. And now we're so used to it, it doesn't even phase us at all. There could be psycho people walking around yelling at invisible people. And we're just like, well, they're on the phone. You know, that's, that's where it's come to. And now, and now we used to think that teenagers didn't care what we had to say. Well, they still don't, but now they literally can't hear us because they have earbuds in all of the time, right? I don't know what a middle school student looks like without at least one AirPod hanging out of their ear. Can they get an amen? And so here, technology has brought us to this place where uh, everything's just getting weirder and weirder all the time. But listen, uh, as weird as it may seem, you need to wake up every morning and begin a conversation with yourself, this will not happen by default. Do you know this? Now, I've been hearing people say this since I was a kid. You need to have your quiet time. I lived in a house with nine people. It was not quiet. It was never, the middle of the night wasn't quiet. And so what does that mean? Have your devotions. Have you guys have your devotions? What I learned, though, as an adult, is that I won't be who God made me to be without starting a conversation with him really close to the time that I wake up. And sometimes before I can even talk to him, I got to talk to myself. Because I have learned over the course of my life to date that without that conversation, I am not a pleasant person. <laughs> and I make poor choices that negatively impact the people that are closest to me, that I love the most. And so I've been waking up a worshiper. And I think we all need to take a hint from Psalm 103 and begin to do the same no matter what you're facing, because it's our pain that we become first aware of in the morning, isn't it? It's our pain and it's our anxiety. You wake up, and if you're over 40, like me, you wake up and you go, ouch, I've done nothing for seven hours and my back hurts, right? That's the very first thing you're acutely aware of. Oh, my neck, what in the world? And you do the groan and the crack and the pop and you get out of bed. And as soon as the physical pain subsides, the anxiety grabs your head and goes, Remember that thing you were worried about last night? <laughs> it's still happening. <laughs> what are you going to do about it now? And that's where our mind goes. And so we begin to move to the things that cause us pain and anxiety without recognizing that we've done nothing to prepare our soul for a day of worshiping the sovereign ruler of the universe, who is our boss and king and shepherd and who has a plan and whose hands and feet we are called to be, do you realize? And so we got to wake up a worshiper. And part, part of that is reminding ourselves how quickly we forget his benefits. Verse three, he forgives all your iniquity. 
and heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. You want to have a little humility session every morning? Just remember the pit you were in. Just rewind the tape to when you were at the bottom of a hole, still digging. And he redeemed your life. Wow, that'll, that'll posture you for a dependence. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. I think a lot of us leave the house without our crowns on, brothers and sisters. We don't take the moment to remind ourselves that we have been adopted into the royal line, that we are emissaries of heaven, ambassadors of God's kingdom, called to emulate and extend his rule and righteous reign to the earth, to bring dominion to our spheres of oversight and to reflect God's glory and who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Yeah, my, my default mode is pathetic and embarrassing. Fortunately, only Tiffany gets to see it. You guys have no idea. I'm standing up here. You're like instantly trusting me, just paying attention. It's a, what's amazing, I mean, what's amazing to me and one of the only things that keeps me going in, in ministry is that my wife can sit on the front row knowing how pathetic and embarrassing I actually am to be able to have observed the, the, the genuineness of my faith in God's power and be supportive of me in this moment. I'm telling you the truth. But that tells me that your default mode is equally as pathetic <laughs> and probably pretty embarrassing. We don't have to talk about yours right now. Uh, but let's take the time to talk to ourselves because we got to wake up a worshiper. And then we got to zoom out. we got to not navel gaze. That usually only takes about five minutes to talk to yourself. I say it to myself every day. I say, good morning, boss. I acknowledge the Lord. And then I tell myself, I am created by God in his image. I tell myself this every day. I am loved by him as my father. I am accepted by him in his son, Jesus. And I am empowered to live for him by his Holy Spirit. Help me, God, to be who you made me to be today. And then I zoom out. And that's what the psalmist does as well. Look at verse six. As we consider God's character and conduct, it's not about us and who we've been and where we're going and what we wanna be. It's about who God is and who we are in him. Look at verse six. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. This is important to remember because there's a lot of times during the day and the week and the month and the year and the decades where people are oppressed and there is not justice and righteousness, but let that not lead us to the conclusion that God is not working, when in fact, the psalmist zooms out to remind us that we serve a God who is always at work. Do you realize? He does not sleep nor slumber. He is actively presiding over the kings of the earth, and he is intimately acquainted with your broken heart, and he works to bind up you and to raise up and to take out those in his timing. Now listen, what he does is above my pay grade, but it does my heart good to recognize that he works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He, he made known his ways to Moses. This is when, instead of becoming hysterical, the psalmist becomes historical. It's easy for us to look at a world falling apart and go, ah! But the psalmist says, no, no, no. Put away your hysteria and remember your history. Look at this. He made known his ways to Moses 
his acts to the people of Israel. Go back and read Exodus 1, 2, and 3 this week. If you want to go a little deeper, read Exodus 1, 2, and 3 and see what God did for Moses. Remember, Moses was born during a genocide under a edict where all male Israelites, Hebrews, were to be killed in Egypt. That's when Moses was born. Moses was born to certain death, and yet there was a quiet intervention of God and through the wily workings of a woman, praise him. And instead of Moses meeting death as an infant or a toddler, he becomes adopted into Pharaoh's very house. And this was going on with nobody really paying much attention, but the Lord who works justice and righteousness for the oppressed was working in the preservation of Moses. Think about it. Think about it. 40 years he spent raised at the epicenter of human learning and power, this close to the top, but with an identity crisis that had him as a person with a leg in both worlds, a foot on the dock and a foot on the boat, <laughs> not a good place to live. His own misunderstanding, his anger, his, his, his passion against the oppressor-oppression relationship and his, his uh, confusion about who he was in that and what he could do caused him to take the life of another human and then to run, to run as a fugitive, afraid for his own life. And then he spent 40 years in the wilderness as a shepherd. And if you were to have met Moses before Exodus chapter three, as a 79-year-old shepherd in obscurity, you would not have thought anything about his life being spectacular. But then God spoke to him through a bush on fire that was not consumed. I mentioned this in a sermon a few weeks ago and a friend came up and said, I was saying, how funny is it that God chose to speak out of a burning bush? Isn't that so weird that God would do that? Is he just trying to get Moses' attention? Does he just know what Moses would run after? I mean, this is weird. A bush on fire, not consumed. And somebody came up to me afterward, this woman, and she said, um, she said uh, it's funny you mentioned Moses was having an identity crisis. I think that bush was too. <laughs> you know, like, what, what, what am I here? And yet, and God meets Moses in the place of his confusion and raises up for the people of Israel a deliverer. Do you see it? And so God here has been working for 80 years to bring about resolve and deliverance for people under oppression. Do you see that he's always working? Think about it. Think about who he's been. Think about his perfect timing. Some of you are here trying to figure out to do with your, what you're with, figure out what to do with your retirement. Moses was 80 when God called him. Now he lived to be 120. It's not looking good for you. <laughs> and honestly, I'm not looking to live that long. My daughters were like, do you think you could live to be 100? I said, I hope not. <laughs> I'm looking for surfing at 80 and then sudden death. That's what I'm going for, okay? So I'd like, I'd like a high quality of life, but I do not want to live that long. Uh, but even if you get 80 years or 90, you get 30, 30, 30, Imagine you're 60 years old and nobody knows your name. And yet God's got a calling for you that could change the world. Do you realize this? And so we got to understand that God is the one who is always at work. But it's important to recognize that it's not just what God has done that should shape our, our thinking about the future. Because God does who God is. Do you realize this? I mean, the passage, if you look back, says, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. But look at verse eight. The Lord is merciful and gracious. Think about this. 
every day. To wake up a worshiper, you have to take your focus off of what's out in front of you, how you feel about it, who you are, what God has done in the past. And you got to start by putting your attention on who God is. This is what it means to be a worshiper. Can I get an amen? You want to wake up and be a worshiper? Focus on who God is from the outset. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Let that sink in. He does not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Listen, let me challenge you to memorize verses eight, nine, and 10. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Start right there. That's an easy one. It says that many places in the scriptures, that is a a regular identifier of the nature and character of God. Remember it. But also remember that he does not deal with us according to our sins. How many people are so quick to face adversity and go, I knew this was going to happen to me. I deserve this. I'm getting just what I deserve. No, you're not. You're not getting what you deserve. God's never given people exactly what they deserve right away, all the way. He doesn't. I mean, there's, when he does, there's been a couple times when he does. I can think of, they're coming to my mind right now. Ananias and Sapphira come to mind, right? You want to talk about keeping the church pure? How about God kills everyone who lies immediately? (laughs) But for the most part, I mean, Adam and Eve, God said, in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. And then they ate of it and they were like, oh, I'm naked. But they did not die, did they? Not Not right then. They were cut off from God. A kind of death took place. They were strange from God, distanced from him. The course of death, the spectrum of death began, didn't it? I'm sure they did like me at some point shortly thereafter and they looked in the mirror and they said, I don't understand why hair stops growing here but it starts growing here. Like what's the, what's the redirect there, Lord? I don't understand. I don't understand why my eyebrows are now suddenly out of control. Design flaw. Can I get Amen. And so there's a slow death that's been taking place. But they didn't die immediately. Listen, if you wake up to adversity, you're not getting what you deserve. You are breathing in God's air. You are walking in God's sunshine. You you have access to relationships that you should not have. Why? Because we're, we're born broken and we're born unto death. And every day is a gift from God. Do you realize it? And now God takes every bit of adversity and he uses it for our good. He wastes none of it. And like a father, he uses it to transform us and to discipline us. Do you see this? You are never getting what you deserve. Don't let anybody get away with that. Jesus is not karma. Can I get amen? Amen. You can tweet that. (laughs) If you're still on the Twitter. It doesn't work like that. God is gracious to you beyond your wildest imaginations. And he will not waste your pain. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. Do you know that if you wake up as a worshiper, if you dispose yourself, posture yourself as a fearer of God, to fear the Lord is to acknowledge who he is. You, You are God. You are the creator. I am a dependent being. I am made by you in your image. I owe you my life. I belong to you. All I have is yours. This is, what, this is where worship begins. It begins with the fear of the Lord. And it drives for us knowledge and wisdom and maturity and growth, even helping the feeble-minded be wise, the Proverbs tells, tells us. The simple. You don't have to be smart to be wise. Isn't that good news? If you just wake up, listen, God can prosper very simple people in incredible ways, not because they're so clever, but because they say, you are God and I am not. 
Lead me in paths of righteousness. Okay. (laughs) And this is how God wants to lead you. His love for you is unimaginable. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Even when when the effects of our poor choices are collapsing on top of us, we will never face the charges of our transgressions. Do you know that? When you die, if your faith is in Jesus, if you have the fear of the Lord that leads you to put your trust in Christ, when you stand before God as judge, you will be declared innocent because of the righteousness of Christ. You will never face your transgressions. Even as you face the consequences of them, you will never face your transgressions. They've been removed as far as east is from west. One prophet says God's put them behind his back. Isn't that a funny picture? They're on the bottom of the ocean, unrecoverable. This is what God has done for you if you've put your trust in him. He's cleansed you, forgiven you. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. He, he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. I love all four of my children, and every day as I speak to myself, I remind myself that I am a daddy, and that will not ever end. I will be daddy forever, uh, and these children will grow, and they will become moms and dad, but they, I am their daddy, and God made me their daddy, and they are all unique and individual, and I seek to love them for who God made them to be, and that means I parent them very differently, but I will not. I will do one-size-fits-all on my kids in default mode every single day, and one-size-fits-all default is um, do whatever I want to do and tune them out until I can't tune them out any longer, usually when something breaks or spills or a fight breaks out, and then I intervene uh, with dad instant dad justice. What happened? Right? Do you guys know how this goes? You know, you you default. When you default, you end up being the worst version of your own parent. That's what happens. Right? You're like, you you don't focus and your dad comes out or your mom comes out. Oh, where was that? But each of my kids is a gift and I don't have to create compassion. When I consider my children, I love them dearly. And as I focus on them, I I can deal with them in ways tuned in to each one of them. And I know that because I have a father who has that compassion on me. He doesn't, he doesn't ever, God never snaps at me. He never does. He knows our frame. He remembers we are dust. Isn't that funny? Uh, do you guys know that uh, if you read Genesis 1 in, in Hebrew, the, we're, the, we're the dirt man. Do you know where Adam comes from? The earth, the dirt Like, oh, look, he made a man from the dust, brought him up of the same stuff of the dust, and he called him Adam, dirt man. You know, Edom, Edom is a red dirt man. Like, he's born red, and so he's red, he's a ginger. He's your first biblical ginger. And he goes, and he goes, uh, Edom, red man. God, God knows what we're made of. He, he, know, he knows how we're composed, both physically and emotionally and spiritually. He's tuned into that. He doesn't forget. He doesn't forget. And so if you wake up a worshiper, you wake up to a father ready to fine-tune his leadership of you to you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that awesome? It's incredible. I want you to know God that way. I want you to know God in a way that is so personal to you because of his compassion for you as like a father. This is, what will, this is what will bring you to be a worshiper. And stop imposing all the wrong ideas you have about God from your human fathers and adult males and your concepts and books you've read and projecting them on God and then trying to clean it up a little bit. 
Walk with him, wake up a worshiper and watch to see how he treats you, knowing your frame, knowing that you were made of dust. And then we get some, some practical advice. Look at verses 15 to 19. Not, not only are we supposed to talk to ourselves, but we, we need to contrast God's love to our circumstances. Look at this. Contrast God's love to your circumstances. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. Isn't that flowery? Isn't that beautiful? I was talking to Tiffany and um, we were talking about how just how, like, how fast life goes by. And the older you get, the faster it seems to go. Some of you are just holding on. <gasps> you know? My dad told me that when I was a kid and I was like, you are so old and weird and you say weird things. That's what I thought of my dad. But the older you get, the faster time goes by. The days are just like this and the weeks just fly by and the months and the years and you're writing 2018 on a check and you're like, what happened? And so here we are, just moving along. And this is part of life. And it should give us some perspective to contrast our experience and God's love. Our experience and God's love. And so here we have this thing that's flying by, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And so be a person who fears him. Wake up a worshiper because you can tap into from everlasting to everlasting and become an object of God's love. That's available to you every single day. So bless the Lord, oh my soul, and everything that's within me. Bless his name. I gotta wake up that worshiper inside of me and don't waste my days because I will waste days. How many of you feel like you've wasted a season or two? How many of you guys have recently deleted apps from your phone? Screen time's like, you have spent seven hours and 45 minutes playing solitaire today. Oh my gosh! Your life is passing by. You're doing nothing useful. And so make yourselves, position yourself as a worshiper. Wake up to go, I want to fear the Lord. I want to put my trust in him. I want to be the object of his love from everlasting to everlasting. I want to tap into that which is truly eternal. His righteousness is to his children's children's. God, I don't want to waste a day and I don't want to mess up my kids. Do you realize, you remember, I mean, think about this for a second. You as a 40-year-old, 50-year-old, 60-year-old, 70-year-old, you are still shaped by seven or eight or 10 years of stuff that happened to you decades ago. Do you realize that? Your worst habits come from a childlike response to circumstances that you've been responding to the exact same way for decades. And I start to deal with my own stuff. You know what it makes me do? It makes me look at my kids and I go, I don't want to mess this up. I don't, I, don't want to be, I don't want to be acting in a way that is causing my children to need therapy in 12 years. Do you realize? Do you realize? That's a lot of pressure, isn't it? And so we got, we got to connect with this everlasting love of God to be objects of it and then to be engaged in the eternal because it's, it's his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember. Somebody say keep. keep. Somebody say remember. remember. We got to keep and we got to remember, this has always been uh, the deal. When God interacts with people, he interacts in covenant. Covenant is a promise, not a contract. I was listening to a sermon this week, and they were saying, here's the contract. You do this, God's going to do this. <laughs> no. Nope. God does not do contracts. He doesn't have to. He's in control of everything. God has nothing to protect. Do you realize that? God has nothing to protect. He's running zero risk. He can pull out at any time. He does not do contracts. If you walked in here thinking you had a deal with God, you're fooled. God doesn't do deals. 
God does promises. God does invitations. God does grace. And so God does covenant. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I would sooner die myself than allow you to end in destruction. Do you know the new covenant that we come into this morning? The covenant in Christ's blood is a covenant that God both made and fulfilled on both sides as God and man through the God man so that by faith we could receive that covenant. The sign of which is baptism that we, that we symbolically go into the water to join Christ in his death or lifted out of the water to walk in newness of life, having been joined with him to expect a resurrection like his. Do you see this? It's a sign that we can keep this covenant only as we believe it, the work of God is that we believe him and receive what he's done for us. And so we walk in it and the covenant speaks to us. So we remember and we take the Lord's Supper. We do it here every month. Some churches do it every week, but every single time we put food in our mouth, we're supposed to remember that it's not our body broken, it's Christ's body. It's not our blood shed. It's the blood of the new covenant. And we have received it. And so we keep it by believing it and walking in it. And we remember it with the signs. This has always been what God does. He makes a covenant with Noah. He said, I'm cleansing the earth of, of heinous humanity, but I'm saving you and, and your family through an ark. Do you see it? And then he put his rainbow in the sky. Go back and read. Go back and read the Genesis account there. Genesis 6, 7, 8, 9. You know that God put that rainbow in the sky for him? It doesn't say, I'm going to put a rainbow in the sky so you remember. He said, I'm going to put a rainbow in the sky to remind me. Who is this God we serve? He's the covenant-making God. And he's welcoming you into this covenant. We have this propensity to wake up and to compare our situation to other people's. We just do. And social media hasn't helped at all. You wake up, instead of waking up a worshiper, instead of talking to yourself, you open up Instagram and you go, my life sucks. Why? Because you are comparing your B-roll to everybody else's highlight reel. Their life is not their Instagram newsfeed. Can I get amen? Nobody puts real life in photographs and shares that with the world. Well, some of them do. And we're like, oh gosh, oh, oh. just keep scrolling, right? Too much. Did not need to see the before picture, you know? Like. But we have this tendency to look around and to compare. This is why we say things like the grass is always greener, right? Yeah, but sometimes it's astroturf. <laughs> Do you realize that? And so the psalmist gives us great instruction here. We don't, we don't you know, wake up. We're not, gonna, we're not gonna wake up a worshiper when we compare our situation with somebody else's situation. We, comparing pain, terrible. Comparing vacations, awful. Comparing spouses, terminal. Okay. <laughs> But if you wake up and you compare your situation to God's fathomless, eternal, everlasting love for you, it's like wind under your wings. It lifts you up and carries you through the various circumstances. And so we contrast God's love to your circumstances. I love verse 19. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules overall. I needed that this morning when I woke up to see war, war in the world. And my brain goes to, what's next? Is China going to invade Taiwan? What's next? Are we going to get involved in a world war? What's next? What's next? What's next? 
know what I need? Verse 19, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens. He's got a great view of everything that's going on. And the kings of the earth shall give an account to the one righteous ruler. His kingdom rules over all. So what do we do? I love the way the psalmist, having done this, shows us the outcome. And so look as we close to verse 20. You gotta wake up a worshiper. I love that David here becomes a cosmic worship leader. Verse 20. He starts in verse one with, bless the Lord, O my soul, with all that's within me, bless his holy name. And then he goes through to rehearse who God is and what God has done. He looks at his conduct and his character. He recognizes how God feels towards him. He contrasts his circumstances with God's great love. And what does it do for his soul? He begins to command the cosmos to worship God as well. Look at verse 20. Bless the Lord, O you his angels. And the angels stand at attention. We're ready for that. That's what we were made for. Bless the Lord, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Isn't it, isn't it helpful to wake up and know that God is the God of angel armies, powerful angelic beings standing at attention, ready to intervene at any point in time to carry out God's word? That's happening. I don't know if you saw that on the news. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, everything he's made in the heavenly realms, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, and now he speaks of creation, in all places of his dominion. And bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Something's happening, brothers and sisters. There's a stirring that's happening in the world around us. People who don't know the God of the universe don't know what it is, but they feel it. They're being drawn. They're being shaken. They're being exposed. And it's an awakening. And I'm telling you that we are the messengers to clear up the confusion and to provide description to questions. Do you realize this? But we got to wake up. We got to wake up and turn off the news and turn on our conversation with the ruler of the heavens. Do you know it? We got to stop comparing our unknown future to our pathetic past and wonder what's going to happen to us when in fact the ruler of all heavens wants to work through us as we worship him. We got to wake up to the reality that the only stable thing is God's love and it's the undercurrent of our life. We've got to wake up to the fact that we have been ransomed, healed, restored, and forgiven. And our God did not go to sleep last night, but he's ready to carry us into today and direct us to be who he made us to be. We got to wake up because he's got work for us to do. In default mode, you won't do it. Do you realize that? Default mode you will stare at your phone. Unbelievable. Instagram, Fox News, CNN. Well, not CNN, you deleted that. <laughs> You're just bouncing around. You're just bouncing around. What am I, how do I feel? And what happened to me? And what am I going to do? And how's this going to affect my 401k? And blah, blah, blah. Wake up! Wake up. And wake up a worshiper. Don't wake up frantic. 
wake up and go, I know who's in control of all this. And he saved my life. And he loves my children and my grandchildren. And he's got a plan of restoration. And he's got innumerable heavenly beings at his beck and his call. And yet he waits. And why? Peter dealt with this in 2 Peter. Because Christians have been taunted now for, I mean, millennia. And, and, and I get it. Tiffany and I were talking about that this week. We were, we were talking about how um, this feels like the end of the world. How many of you have said that recently? This feels like it might be the end of the world. You're like, I feel like I read this somewhere. It's, look, it's shaping up. It really is. Shaping up. I read Ezekiel 38 just two weeks ago. And, I, and, and it was saying, and it was talking about Tubal partnering with Gog and Magog. And, and it's, it's basically saying uh, China and Russia and Iran are going to do some nasty stuff in Ezekiel 38. That's the names of the current names of these same regions. And you're like, wait a second, is this it? But we live, we live under the imminent return of Christ as Christians. Do you realize that? Every Christian in every generation is ready for Jesus to come back. And we're not, we're not gonna scurry to look busy. We're gonna be ready and doing what he wants us to do. Do you realize that? And so since the beginning, literally the first generation, the first century, they will say, verse four of 2 Peter 3, where is the promise of his coming? Forever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Everything's just rolling right along. Where is he coming? Peter says, they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But the same word, the heavens and earth now exist are stored up for fire being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. When's that coming? We don't know. God's the only one that's got that red button in his office. Can I get amen? But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. You know how that's gonna happen? When a generation of people wake up a worshiper with good news in their mouth and hope in their hearts and resolve to act with courage and boldness and love. Not the tools the world uses, but the tools that God gives us. Amen? And where is this going? After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And you remember that you are an ambassador of this moment been sent into a dark world for a specific time and the only way you're going to fulfill that calling is to wake up a worshiper. Let's pray. Got to pray for every person in my hearing. And I specifically pray for those who have not put their trust in your son, Jesus. 
whatever thoughts they've had, whatever decisions they've come to, they've fallen short of saying, God, I trust you and I receive your gift of Jesus by faith, a gift of salvation, a gift of forgiveness, a gift of purpose and power in your Holy Spirit. God, I pray right now that you would draw them and that they would be unable to avoid what they hear and feel in their spirit as you draw them. God, thank you that you have called each and every one of us not only to benefit from waking up a worshiper, but to go out into the world with good news of great joy for all people, to love the, per the persons in darkness before us, and to be prepared to give a reason for the hope within us. God, as we wake up each day to tell ourselves, bless the Lord, oh my soul, all that's within me, bless his holy name. God, I pray that you would wake up a generation of worshipers. God, that we would be awake to your purpose in the world, that we would be sensitive to your Holy Spirit's leading. God, that we would be ready to be your hands and your feet, that we would engage to make a difference in real time. God, that we would live lives that reflect your compassion and steadfast love and mercy, that we would not treat people as their sins deserve, but instead be ready to pour out lavish love in their direction to tell them good news of great joy for all people. So God, I pray you'd instill us with hope as we look to our future in your presence and the redemption of this world. Holy Spirit, lead us. Give us faith to receive. In Jesus' mighty name, all God's people said, amen. Let's stand.